0: Happy Tuesday to you folks and welcome to Got Your Back. LeBron and Rashad and MJ this week. Great podcast in store for you. Montreal Canadiens General Manager Kent Hughes in conversation with Pierre and I. What's their timeline for potentially getting back to the playoffs? We asked him that question. He actually gave us one. So uh, great interview today with Kent Hughes. That's coming up in our second segment on the podcast they're going to go round the National Hockey League. An interesting night last night as far as the standings go and a great story out in Ottawa with uh, Annette Minder having won uh, for the ages. Reminder that Got Your Back is brought to you by Cross Country Canada. Supplies and rentals, where they do absolutely everything when it comes to the Canadian construction industry. Want to build a road? They got everything you need, from survey equipment to plan things out, the equipment to haul and move dirt, even the material you lay down to stabilize the terrain. Cross-Country Canada supplies it all. They even have all the safety gear for the workers road markers and flagging two-way radios yeah we all drive past that stuff you wonder where it comes from (laughs) well a great company like cross-country canada huge supplier to the canadian construction industry and proud title sponsors here on got your back LeBron and rashad we check in with the fellas johnny fire alarm going off in the hotel man what is going are you safe right now
1: and, and and like a literal fire alarm, right? Like <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's one of those ones. You know, we spend a lot of time in hotels, and occasionally the fire alarms go off, and and I never move. I'm like no, no, it's, it's got to be nothing. Yeah. And then I'm here in New York, fire alarms going off. It's I'm hearing the sirens on the street coming to the hotel. Oh, I'm boy. like, boy, well, hang on. I might get I might need to get some shoes on, and I'm on a high floor, so it's gonna be a long track down in the lobby if i had to go but we were just said no it's okay disregard then who had a podcast to do we're good to go not a problem
0: pierre you've been chased out of the odd hotel with a late night fire a lot were you at the <laughs> were you at the same hotel we were at what year was it it was one of the pittsburgh detroit finals we were in detroit i think there was an mgm i want to say was there an mgm grand in detroit or is there yes
2: the, yeah so hotel yeah yeah I always say well you know I don't I I, I you know I chase the points so I was not yeah you're Marriott guy, guy. <laughs> you're always chasing them.
0: that's okay you can say their name maybe we'll get them yeah. as a sponsor go ahead yeah
2: um no I missed that one I've actually slept through several alarms over the years I, I wake up the next day and everyone's like did you hear that I'm like nope oh <laughs> buddy no I uh
1: it's impressive that's yeah a, that's it's loud if it comes back it's on dangerous we'll is what that how is. loud it is
0: yes that is dangerous you need yeah, to, your system this. You to really should
1: follow
2: you should leave and uh, and go out <laughs> if you hear it if i was if i could hear it i would have followed the instructions yeah
0: stanley cup final uh the series shifted back to detroit and i think it was it had to be 1 30 or 2 in the morning and the fire alarm alarm goes off now uh, the TSN traveling crew that year may or may not have been up in someone's <laughs> yeah. room with a 2-6 <laughs> having a good night already. And there's, there's a group of about six or seven of us, and the alarm goes off, and we're like, oh, so outside we go. And uh, all I'll say is there there were some Pittsburgh Penguins who were out of bed uh, outside for that fire alarm that night. So it actually got the team up out of bed. And well, that's why it went off.
1: I remember well, 99 playoffs. Toronto we were playing in Buffalo I don't know what the hotel was yeah. every night we stayed there every night the alarm went off for, for so that is that fans reason. or that's yeah. fans right or that's yeah.
0: just someone goofing
1: yeah that's just someone oh, that's brutal. to the point where like it, we then we had I think the second time we went we wanted to stay in a different hotel and not tell anyone because we didn't want that that distraction so yeah that was probably what was going on in, in Detroit it, it happens the, the diehard fans are willing to don't do that don't break the law fire the firemen fire people need their their attention elsewhere but yeah that's happened uh in a playoff series with me before too
0: generally what was your experience with visiting fans or like well home fans in cities you that's were right. visiting johnny and where was it the worst
1: generally it was always good it was it was positive it was polite you know what i mean like it was generally it was generally what you'd expect toronto mm-hmm. when philly are verbally aggressive which i always find entertaining but some people might be offended by it because there is some colorful language and there is like in your face. They don't care that they're six feet away from you. They will tell you you suck and what they think of you. And out like they get right up after you in Philly, generally speaking uh, over the course of my career.
0: Pierre, how do you find it out and about yeah, or, uh, chatting with people?
1: It's
2: funny. Uh, I had, I met years ago. Well, it must've been 2007 or 2008. I, I might've still been working at the score my first TV gig as an analyst, and uh, I was doing a live hit in Philly for a Habs Flyer series in the parking lot and the Flyers fan spit right near my shoes, and uh, he missed me. But but the message was,
0: uh... "Welcome to Philly." <laughs> and it's
2: like I'm not wearing any hab stuff or anything. But I obviously felt we were I heard you Canadians. doing it in
1: French, Pierre. That
2: was the yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was like, okay, I was go. working
0: uh, back when we had the, pl- uh, the the national rights and we did playoff series. I was working a game in Washington, and I was right in the stands. I think it was I think it was Washington, Philly. Maybe that series that went seven games, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Anyway, I was right in the stands and no um because it was a canadian series was there a heck of a story a Munch- a heck of sorry a story. anyways it was a canadian team <laughs> against washington and uh yeah, i was, was in clever. the stands doing hits in the stands thanks johnny and Montreal, uh, man then. it got it got so aggressive yeah. people like just given it to me, thinking that I was some, you know, Canadian home wow. team broadcaster or something. It was, it was nasty. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll it's the only get, time I felt we'll, uneasy in the stands.
2: We'll get to the show, but Frank Saravelli, our old friend from TSN who now uh, runs uh daily faceoff, he's a massive Eagles fan. He, he goes to almost every Eagles game. You guys know what team I cheer for. And he has a standing invitation for me to go to a Cowboys Eagles game. And I'm don't like, don't do it. Nope, not, not in doing Philly. that. Not doing <laughs> do that. Do not do it. <laughs> I, I I am okay to announce that I am scared and I would not do that. So there you
0: go. You'd rather sit in your a office. Jersey.
2: No chance. Yeah, well, I no guess chance. that's true.
0: You'd rather sit in your office with the door locked, sitting there stressing out over how your yeah. team is doing. Right. The yeah, only exactly. fan I know that doesn't like going to games. He wants you to just sit in his office and stress.
2: <laughs> hey, I went to the game where Tom Brady got retired. So there you yeah, know. yeah, there you there go. You go.
0: Okay, enough of this nonsense. Uh, Johnny, in the future, be more supportive of your host's stories. That's kind of a standard rule on the podcast. Wow. Um,
1: in a, a time-sensitive medium, we try not to <laughs> hum and haw on what the teams were for it's three the, minutes before we get to a story about you being scared This of is
0: not time-sensitive. This is a podcast. We have no time limit. You're the only one with my, time limitations. My
1: time is sensitive. That's right. over my ears.
0: That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> You're on a per-minute basis here. You're feeing. All right, let's get to the breakdown brought to you by Kuma Outdoor gear they have a wide range of gear to fit all of your outdoor needs it's flat out awesome stuff I have a bit of it here at the house and I'm hoarding it you guys you're not getting yours yet uh, super high quality yeah. camping chairs so comfortable so luxurious and they actually come heated which is awesome tent sleeping bags travel games pet products drinkware which I'm once again rocking today uh, and that's what I'm hoarding there's no reason to be any less comfortable outside than you are in your very own living room in kuma will help make sure of that. Thrilled to have Kuma on board as sponsors here on Got Your Back. Some playoff implications involved in games last night, guys, and we'll get to those. I don't think there's any place to start other than what was a great night for Dylan Ferguson of the Ottawa Senators, 24 years old, from Lanceville, B.C., 48 saves in a win against the Nashville Predators. But the cool thing about this guy's story is, Oh, sorry, against the Pittsburgh Penguins, thank you. Can't read my own handwriting here. The cool thing about this story, uh, he's had one NHL appearance before. It was back in 2017. Nine minutes in relief he played, and he has been grinding to get back to the NHL ever since. 11 teams across four leagues. Johnny, what a moment for
1: this guy, and uh, just won the game for his team. Flat out won the game. Yeah, 100%, Shaggy, and you're like, so I cover the centers quite closely. I'm watching mm-hmm. warm-up, and I see a set of pads. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Who is that? I, I don't recognize the gear. What goalie is that playing? <laughs> That's not Mandelay's, eh? I know it's too small to a Sogard. Who is that? I'm like, yeah. Dylan Ferguson. I'm like, didn't he get called up with Vegas when they were on their five goaltender run back when he was in Kamloops for that one emergency game? He was playing in Kamloops in the WHL at the time. And yeah, then of course you go to the hockey DB and you see all the teams he's played for trying to find his way. I didn't even know he was part of the Senators organization. And he doesn't get to the NHL unless they're in their fifth, you know, they're down to their fifth string goaltender and they're still clinging to a very slim chance that they make the playoffs, but they're still clinging to it. And for the Penguins, they're thinking, okay, we need to win this game. And isn't this nice? We got a goaltender who's not an NHL goalie. He hasn't been. So we just pepper him. Let's challenge him and we'll be good. And they did exactly that, but they weren't good. This guy, Dylan Ferguson, what a night. Um, Forget about being his first official start. Like that's a game you remember if you have a 10-year career. He was incredible. They had no business winning that game. They got it done late, 2-1. Pierre, um, great story because the Sens have needed some goaltending as of late. But just individually for Dylan Ferguson, the kind of, uh, you know, the journey to get there and then have it pay off in in a a memorable night. Shocking for Pittsburgh, amazing for Ottawa. Yeah, and some positive
2: karma, I would say, MJ, for the Senators who, you know, launched 50 plus at Toronto on Saturday night at home and lost in a shootout and a crazy shootout. Um, But uh, probably should have got two points against the Leafs. So. They get two points in a night when they shouldn't have, and boy, that's a dagger for the Penguins. Listen, yeah. I'll never count out a team with 87 on it because you do that to your own peril, but um, there's something off about this Penguins team for sure. And, and listen, again, they launched a lot of shots at at Ottawa last night, but they're just finding ways to lose right now, four losses in a row. Florida passes them for that last wild card spot. Florida's got a home, uh, a pretty good home cooking schedule the rest of the way, so... Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if you're the Penguins, you gotta look at last night and say, you know, the great A's were there, let's just let's get back to work. But it just feels like the mojo and the Penguins is not in the same place right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll get to the Penguins and Panthers in that race in just a minute, but just to finish up the thought on the Ottawa Senators and a great night from Ferguson. I mean, the math is tough sitting here, you know, with with a few teams to hop over and you know, six points back. But the Senators are relevant here, Johnny. Mm-hmm. The Senators are in the conversation. We're deep into the season, and they're relevant. I mean, is this a playoff team next year, do you think? They're going to be close here. They're making it close. But but can they get there? Are they that close?
1: For next year, maybe. Yeah, this year, I don't think so. It's just the, mm-hmm. the, the games in hand have sort of run out. Um, they're still five back of Pittsburgh, six back of Florida, seven back of the Islanders. And, you know, they, they got... Well, they have Boston coming up next. Like, I mean, like there's tough matchups. They probably have to go 10 and 2. And if they go mm-hmm. 10 and 2, they probably make the playoffs. But they're not going to do that if they get off to a better start. And the question remains, like, you love so much about what Ottawa's done this year. Who's their goaltender next year? Who's going to give them yeah. good, consistent goaltending? can not going to be around. Is it Sogard and Anton Forsberg? Is that who you're going to trust? I don't know the answer. If they if they give them good goalie tending, then then probably they'll be pushing for one of those two wild card spots next year, and probably we'll get one. But Pierre, that seems like they're it's, they're not a finished product yet. They still have some stuff they got to do to to get that consistency.
2: Yeah, and listen, they got the cap room to keep adding this off season. The new ownership, obviously coming in at some point here in mm-hmm. the off season. So some some interesting storylines coming Ottawa's way. I, I think. I think it's too complicated for them to, to actually get in. They really have to get on a heater. I think they have – I read somewhere they have the toughest remaining schedule. Yeah. I mean, read into that what you will. It feels like when you're playing Arizona these days, you might lose anyway. So, I, I don't know if I believe in strength of schedule or not. But, um, yeah, I think it's too little too late. And, and listen, the lesson here for the Senators, two years in a row where they um, – Season they starts their, in October. November, yeah, like November has, has sunk them two years in a row. they got to – Remember, all the points are equal, man, in, in this league. So that'll be a big message at camp next year for sure.
0: Meanwhile, the Florida Panthers taking a serious run at this thing on the strength of Matthew Kachuk, just going supernova. He's got 14 points in his last five games. Uh, they pull ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in into that wild card spot. So, Pierre, you were just talking about the Penguins here in danger of their streak. I think it's 06 that they've been in the playoffs since, the longest yeah. active. Uh, I mean they 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 extend their big guys in the off season you know they make some additions in and around the deadline uh for them to miss with what the plan seemed to be this year uh, what's that mean big picture if that's the way this goes if
2: if, if they do like i said uh, yeah. i'm not counting them out yet knowing who their captain is but if they do miss and frankly even if they get in i you know i, I don't know what i see from them that think, that i think they can be either, either carolina or boston but I can't have this conversation without marrying them to Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals for obvious reasons. I mean, these two programs, Washington and Pittsburgh, have been good forever. Uh, Ovechkin and Crosby have been superstars forever. And this is the perils of running a team sometimes, feeling that you owe it to your your franchise player to keep going. And by the way, I'd probably do the same. So I'm not – but – it just feels like I, I, you're look, Washington's pretty much out and Pittsburgh now is in trouble. It's happening at the same time, right, with these two aging cores. Now Washington had a nice pivot at the trade deadline where they're trying to sort of reset this thing quickly because they want to be competitive for Ovechkin again next year. We'll see whether or not they can do that. But I, I just think it's, it's it's so fascinating to see it happening at the same time with Pittsburgh and Washington, the two great Eastern Conference standards for the last 15 years and and the reality is in a cap system I think it's really difficult LA and Chicago may want to talk to you talk to you about that about being loyal to certain guys and just trying to keep the window open forever I, I don't know that the cap system allows you is forgiving enough for you to try and do that
1: like, what do you do? I'm with you, Pierre. Like it's easy to say, well, you probably have to should have been proactive and not like of course, you're going to commit to the guys again if they want to come back. it's It's a tough right. spot for a franchise to to go in. Now you got to be perfect in your decisions around those guys. And I think that's where I maybe mean, Pittsburgh and Washington, I mean Pittsburgh specifically this year, they haven't been, right? And they tried to undo right. some of those mistakes that happened in the begins. Um, you know the Petri trade, like you know, stuff maybe hasn't worked out quite as well as they would have hoped. And when you are committed to that aging core, like that's where you you, you can't really make a mistake. So, um, yeah. But you look at their look at where they are, Shaggy. You're not going to say it's the old guy's fault. Like Latang's been good, oh yeah, and mock has yeah. been good, and Sid's right. been great. Like it it's hard to phenomenal. even blame those guys. So right. yeah, it, it's the guys around them that haven't got it done, really.
0: And in yeah. a tough season for Chris Letang, too, right? He's endured a fair amount this year and and yeah. is bringing it. Now, uh, the one thing so. I will
2: say before we move on from that is that it was certainly my understanding that when Ron Hextall was hired by the previous ownership by Ron Burkle and Merrill Lemieux in Pittsburgh, uh, and Dave Morehouse is no longer there either. Don't forget that. He was a big voice in that operation in Pittsburgh. Ron Hextall's... Hiring was was the context was if you think this window is closing, you have the green light to do what you think is, is is are tough decisions. But the new ownership comes in from Fenway, and I think Fenway is like, oh no, we're keeping the band together. And so right. again, I, I think there are still some decisions that could have been different around the core, as you said, MJ, for Pittsburgh. But my point is, I also think the the uh, the mission changed underneath the feet of Ron Hextall with the ownership change. So it would have been pretty fascinating to see what previous ownership would have said when Malkin, you know, played hardball last year in contract negotiations mm. and so on. I don't know. We'll, we'll never know.
0: Everybody has a boss, including you two. And on this podcast, that is me. And I would ask you to remember that, Johnny. Uh, the Calgary Flames, boy, last night, 8-2 loss to the L.A. Kings. Oh. Like, Winnipeg's trying hard to hand this thing over to Seriously. them. Seriously. Winnipeg's trying, but Calgary's having a tough time biting down on it. So, they get absolutely stomped in that game last night. Markstrom, six goals against in consecutive games. Uh, the Quizmaster throwing this stat at us. Uh, in back-to-back games, identical stats, 20 of 26, 769 save percentage Yuck. in back-to-back games here for Markstrom. So, I mean... Winnipeg's trying, Johnny,
1: but uh, can Markstrom get them there? Uh, It's like we're not asking him to be Shastrik in the last year. Like he's just got to be good at this point because of Winnipeg's not charging to the finish line. But the answer, based on what we've seen this year, is no. Like not Markstrom, not that team. They just like you know, like I suppose a game like a loss is a loss, but you think that doesn't feel like just a loss. Like Calgary needs to rhyme off eight games in a row that every one of them 3-2. They might win, they might lose, but like, that's who they are. And they right. just can't find a way to play that way. They just can't. It's so strange. I don't know if robbing Kachuk away from, taking Kachuk away from that team has kind of robbed them of their kind of soul or like their sort of spirit
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, and just changed the dynamic that much with him and Goudreau. But um, it just doesn't look remotely like it did last year. So, And by points percentage, they're quite a bit behind Nashville. As well, mm-hmm. Calgary. Like you know, they're ahead of them in standings, but Nashville has three games and one point back. When you only have eleven games left, like that's a lot. So, the the answer is no. And I, I we waited all year, Pierre. Sh- just mm. show me like what we expect, and it just has not happened. So I can't imagine why it would now. Yeah,
2: and I hate picking on just one guy because I think it's more deep rooted than that. With the Flames struggles, truly one of the mm. more disappointing teams in the entire league this year, given the talent on paper, but. Jacob Markstrom, I mean, this is a guy that was nominated for the Vesna a year ago. Yeah. And it's as if last year's performance in the Bowel, Alberta, he was never able to shake off. I mean, he really mm. was. Uh, uh, it's because you kept
0: asking
1: him about it every well, day. Well, you know about, what, though? Uh, he's actually about signing to, in Edmonton. He's actually <laughs> talked candidly about the scar tissue created by that series, Pierre. So you're not well, wrong. Like, he's I mean. kind of acknowledged right.
2: it. Right. 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 And good for him. I mean, uh, you cheer for a guy and he's. Uh, I think, very popular with his teammates. Mm-hmm. I mean, he takes ownership in what's going on. So you're cheering for him to figure this out. But now we're in late March here, and um, this is a guy you paid to be your guy, and he hasn't been. And and again, it's not just that. I mean, Huberto has not looked comfortable in Calgary. There's lots of different things you can look at. But until you get saves, man, I mean, I don't know. Like, we, we can talk forever. We'll be spinning in circles. I mean, that's where it starts for Calgary.
0: Meanwhile, in Edmonton last night, a game I covered. Uh, I'll call it entertaining. I don't know if Jay Woodcroft would agree that it was that entertaining. <laughs> the Oilers, man, loosey-goosey against the Sharks team. What a great that came game. In and, uh, I mean, it was. It was fun. It was a fun game to watch. I mean, four four goals called back on review. The Oilers went three for three. Shout out to Jeremy Cupal, who has done a great job for them all season long. Does he, he get but, like, the know, team Johnny, vest or the team belt oh, I or
1: hat after the game? Uh,
0: I know. I wonder, actually. We should have asked if uh, if they had him come in, because that, that would have been the guy to hand it to. Um, but just an entertaining game, and Eric Carlson uh, steps to the forefront. And not to be outdone, though, Matthias Ekholm yeah. going toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with Carlson in the offensive category last night. Big picture, though. Uh, you know The Oilers have given up a lot of goals here recently, uh, I don't know how concerning the defensive side of the puck is for them because they score so many goals, but as you, you see those highlights and watch that game, Johnny, what's your thought on the oil rounding into form here towards the playoffs?
1: That game doesn't look like they're rounding into form. <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like. Like you take the wins and if they're all, you know, everyone has off nights and not surprising Carlson in a game that's a little loosey goosey sh- shines. Cause like, that's when he's at his very best is when, you know, things get a little chaotic. Um, Another game where Jack Campbell played is like, you know, you say a lot of goals against and I know Stuart Skinner gives up some occasionally too, but you know, another game for Jack Campbell that well, he was not great.
0: Yeah. Three what? of the first six shots beat him. Two of them not, went in one hit a post. One was yeah. called back.
1: Yeah. Not terrible, but not great. And yeah. um like that's, that's a concern, but they're not going to deal with that concern in the playoffs. Cause he's not going to play. I don't think so. Um, it's good to win gift games different ways. If You're spelling the positive. If you're a coach today, you come in Pierre and it's like, all right, yeah, we scored five. Good for us. That was against the worst team in the league. Um, here's the video session. This is the junk right. we got to get out of our game. Cause if we think we're going to go into LA, cause LA is very, very good. And they got a goaltender now, which we can get into a bit later, but like, we're not winning the first round like this. We're not the team we're playing against is too good. So, um, we have to change, tighten up, get a bit better. They won the game, off game, a little loose, it happens, but like, you know, if you're thinking about how we need to play in the playoffs, that's not it.
2: Kings might be playing the best team game right now in the Pacific, and yeah, you know, right now it's Kings Oilers again in the first round. But yeah, collision um, course. But uh there's I mean, I, I really think the Oilers will find their game. Um the one thing they they can't bank on is Daryl Nurse on a breakaway in overtime come playoff time. <laughs> he won't be up the boards <laughs> looking for that stretch pass in a, in a playoff game. Okay, that was awesome. What a great move by Nurse. Um, yeah, that was a loosey-goosey game. I mean, again, I hear I am again picking on a goalie, but I, I stayed up and watched that whole game. And, and I felt from afar, Ryan, that the Oilers are looking over their shoulder a bit with, with Jack Campbell in that, where it's like – and I noticed every sure. time he did make a save, his teammates went over and encouraged him. They really want him to – to figure this out but I feel like it affects your game like I'm sorry I, I just think it's it's like a human sort of reaction to this guy's battling it here and and we really want him to figure this out but I remember in the first period last night I was thinking man they want him so badly to figure this out and, and he looked shaky he got better as the game went on though I'll give him credit for that including a couple of big third period saves
1: actually where the Sharks could have put that away
0: Stuart Skinner's emergence, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, that's for this team this year. They're nowhere if he doesn't do what he's done.
1: Wow, huge. what a story! It's huge. I mean, and, and, and no rookie. one would have thought that he would be, you know, in. And then we've not is he in the rookie of the year running, Shaggy? I mean, it has to be. I've seen him. I think he's got to be yeah, like, like I've you know, been yeah. is having a good year, but he's not yeah. like doesn't have seventy five points.
2: He's, Owen Power leads all rookies in minutes played. You have to you have to give him credit yeah. for the way he's playing yeah. on the blue line for sure. He'll what get about, votes, I mean,
1: mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he'll yeah. get votes. So, yeah, and, and it's Orders. funny, Pierre, you mentioned just real quick on Jack Campbell. And I've like, you know, I've been on teams where the goals are struggling and, and mm-hmm. there's the, the human side where like you want him to do well because you like him and you're, you're rooting for him. You know, he's struggling, mm-hmm. but there's also that sort of inherent frustration. Like that's not good enough. And when he's not good enough, it's different than when I'm not good enough. So it is kind of unfair for me to say that because I can have crappy games and no one's going to look at me like say, oh, Johnson was garbage. How are we supposed to win with that? When you could say that all the time, but when it's a goaltender, there is yeah. that element, like the, the bad goals go in and you're like, oh God, like we, we need better, we need more. And you're kind of fighting, you want, you're rooting for him, but you also are disappointed that it's not happening for him, but also for the team. And it, it does sort of weigh on you. You start waiting for like, when's the next one going to go in? Because you think it's going to. It's, it's a tough spot for Jack, obviously, but also for the team in just kind of managing that expectation when he right. plays. Ah, uh,
2: clearly, cl- clearly, the two Alberta teams should have brought in Dylan Ferguson this week. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> if only they'd have known. But, but, but it, again, we've we've hit on this so often that I don't want to spend. I know we got to move on. But again, the goalie thing, and I, I it, you know, maybe it's a bit of a, a lazy take, but I, I just keep coming back to when I talk to front offices these days, the lack of confidence in front offices saying this is our guy, compared mm. to 15 years ago. Like the goalie thing is fascinating right now in the NHL. Like we're down to I think five or six goalies that you truly, truly, truly trust
1: is definitely going to give you a certain performance. And And one of them, one of them would have been Markstrom. Like coming into this year, year. one of them would have been Markstrom. You can cross him off the list, right?
0: Well, and that's part of the issue is that it's expensive and it's really uncertain. I don't know if you spend any more dollars with uncertainty than you do. Those things are gone. And you do on goaltenders. Uh, like Oilers are allowed backs. 18
1: goals. There's, there's yeah. the equivalent.
0: Right?
1: That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah.
0: 18 goals against with a goalie in the net in the last five games for the Oilers, to put a bow on that. But there's always a palate cleansing stat. when you, Anytime you talk about the Oilers and goals against, there's always mm-hmm. a palate cleanser. And this palate cleanser comes to you courtesy of the quiz master today. Connor McDavid has more primary points, 58, 53, 111, than anyone else has points in the league more primary points than anybody else has points this year Johnny
1: That's a stunning stat That's a stunning stat Yeah like I don't like to give the quizmaster any credit ever but like that is quality <laughs> stuff there because I know, I know. The, the I know the importance he puts in on primary points as he should and you yep. think with you think with the power play production Shaggy that the secondary assists would be more prominent because you know yeah. they're passing around and he'll because they score a lot in the power play, not always right through his stick. Except it's always right through his stick. 111 primaries. I don't care if we're on the power play or not. Like that is like he might end up with 128 primaries, which is like the record for points in the last 20 years anyone's had. Like I-, I don't know where you begin. Crazy. Like two points a night is just ho hum. Like that is just straight average for him at this point. Um, amazing stuff. Now, he's got to get the goal scoring cranked up a little bit here. Like, come on now. What do we got? 11 yeah, games. We got to get him nine like, goals to get to 65 or whatever yeah. is is. Eight goals to get 70, to 65. We've got to pick it up.
2: 70 looks like it won't happen, eh? I mean, you never want to count no. anyone out.
1: But yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, their competition, though. I mean, they've got uh, they've got a couple against Arizona. They've got San Jose again. Uh, could be some points nights. But I think some of it depends, too, on where they're at in the standings. Because if, uh, if things get locked in and the, the first there round matchup is baked in, maybe that starts to affect things yeah. uh, a little bit. Okay, guys, let's, uh, let's do a little trade deadline recap here because it's always fun mm-hmm. to sort of revisit some of the trades and what worked and what didn't. I asked you guys to come up with three names that you think have really worked out well on the trade front. So I'm not sure how you want to do it if you just want to go uh, back and forth. Uh, Pierre, we'll start with you. Who's sort of top of your list? Teams that went out, grab somebody that you think has worked out the best.
2: Yeah, we talked about him last week, but Ekholm, unbelievable. That's because yeah. I knew when the Oilers acquired Ekholm that he would wait and go inside the face-off circle and take a slap shot top corner.
1: <laughs> what a on, shot,
0: though! <laughs> it was sick. It was so good. Yeah. You know we what? talked to him after the game last night and he was he said, Don't expect this from me. I don't do this. <laughs> no, like, well, no time in my career I had two goals. And I said to him, You're talking like you had your eyes closed when you shot that thing. Like you picked that spot. I, I
2: just can't believe how he's fit in so seamlessly. Like mm. his first goal, actually, in a way, it doesn't look like a guy who's only been there three weeks. remember the first goal, he's kind of gliding in on the left side on the zone entry, and Dry Siddle season him from, from just yep. from the side. And he just floats the puck in a place where Atcom gets to it and goes to the net and scores. And it's like, what, are they they've been playing together for two years? I mean, it's yeah. just – I don't know. Atcom's been amazing. Orla from day one in Boston. What an aggressive trade by Don Sweeney, who I think still has had the best trade deadline of any GM. And uh, I'll go with Corpy Salo. Uh, still undefeated. Uh, well, 3-0-1. 3-0-1. Yeah. Uh, for 9-21 save percentage. Yeah, nine twenty one, And they just stabilize an area that – an otherwise very good defensive Kings team was, was worried about. Yeah. Those are my three. Johnny, anything yeah, different
1: for you and your hard target though, is the one thing about Ekholm too, he's helped Evan Bouchard be even better. Right. Like, when you can be good yeah. for yourself, but then also elevate a guy who was going to be important with Tyson Barry's departure another secondary impact of him being that good. So um, yeah, it's hard to argue with any of those guys for sure. I like all of them. Corpus is on my list. And when it comes to the end of the year, playoffs. Corpo might be the most important player to have changed teams because he's going to play as a starting Mm. goaltender for a very good team that may have home ice in the Pacific. So keep an eye on him. Vegas looking for offense. They go get Barbashev. Barbashev was a hot commodity. We talked about him for about a month beforehand. Mm -hmm. What's he supposed to do? Give you offense. Like We're not asking for him to be a checker. That's the system in Vegas lets you be a checker. He's got eight points in 11 games, four goals. Exactly what they were hoping to get out of Barbashev. He has delivered. That seems like a pretty nice return on him. Um, So I I like that one for sure. I like Dadnoff even as an underrated guy. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're not sexy picks. Like Dadnoff wasn't doing anything in Montreal. He goes back down to Dallas. Again, eight points in 11 games. Like they're looking for just those sort of like little slight upticks in offense. um, And it's come together for them. And then uh, last one for me is like, I know Rasmus Sandin is not going to score 120 points. I know he's not been good defensively. He's been on for a ton of goals against, but he's got 11 points in in eight games. So good on him for taking a role and an opportunity and, and, and producing the way he thinks he can now. If John Carlson returns, which we hope he will sometime in the near future, that power play time will go away for Rasmus Sandin. But at least initially, if you're looking for an offensive uptick, he certainly has provided it.
0: I'll go honorable mention, too, and I don't mean to be too Edmonton-centric, but I've watched him play every game. Nick Bukestad, when he came over from yeah. Arizona, we were wondering. You know, his face-off Homer. percentage wasn't great. <clears throat> uh, yeah, <laughs> faceoff percentage wasn't great. There, there was talk about him not playing the most physical game, right, for a big guy. Well, he stepped in here uh, with an injury to Ryan McLeod. He solidified him at third-line center. Uh, he's led the team in hits the last couple of games. He's been off off the charts on a few nights in the face-off circle. Mm -hmm. All the things that were question marks about him in Arizona, he's come in here and actually performed really well and helped solidify a bottom six. And I I like the looks of that big body heading into the postseason. So a sneaky ad there from Ken Holland that's been good.
2: Yeah, and it should be pointed out again, Ryan, as you know, that you know they really liked him over other guys that were available that were not nobodies. So they Mm -hmm. picked... They, they zeroed in on Bukestad for quite a while before having mm. to wait for cap reasons to finally make it work. But it's not like it was, oh, this guy's available. Let's just do this. No, they, they picked him out over other forwards and, and, and were waiting for a
1: while to get that deal done.
2: Nice I wonder how capping. much of it is,
1: without digging into Bukestad too much, Like him getting comfortable in like, this is the role I'm going to play. Because he's always yeah. been trying to chase top six stuff. Because it looked like right. his career, he was going to be a top six guy. And Mm -hmm. then you go down to Arizona, you're like, of course, I'm going to be a top six guy in Arizona. And when it doesn't quite happen offensively, you know, it can kind of weigh on you that I'm I'm, I'm not doing it. When you go to Edmonton, there's no question where he's playing. There's no, there's no, I'm not playing my way up anywhere. I got to be good in this role. And I think maybe flipping your mindset, Mm -hmm. like this is what I am at this point and really embracing it is important for players who, you know, have been bubble top six guys to be their best version of themselves in the new role. And maybe he's found that, Edmonton, it'd be easier to kind of accept that. I'd be like, where am I going to go? I'm not bumping anyone in to their top six. So yeah, it's This clear. is what I have to do.
0: And the other thing it does is it, you know, Ryan McLeod's been bidding consistent this year. Uh, when he's on his game, he can hold down that third line center spot, no problem. But when his game dips, they've got a great option in Bukestad. He's going to push McLeod to be that third line center. And I think that's good for those young players to feel some veteran pressure for those important spots in their lineup. So, Decent ad for the oil. Okay, we talked about the ones we liked. Johnny, we'll start with you. I don't know what we want to call them, busts or whatever, but situations that haven't worked
1: out maybe as the team might have hoped when they made that call to Central Registry. So first of all, I like the fact that so many guys have done well because that would promote mm. the idea that it's good to make changes and we want to make right. trades and they can. And it was a fun and,
0: deadline, yeah, and,
1: yeah, and, and fun deadline week or whatever. Like, and, and they can make an impact and that's good news for us. But the amazing part is. Who are the two biggest guys who got traded? Timo or Meyer not. and Bo Horvat. Meyer, right? yep. And like neither one has been bad, but neither one has been like lights out, rocket ship, great. Um, I got so Meyer I mean, had a guess, pretty good
2: game. Meyer had a pretty good game over the weekend. I was watching the. That, yeah, that no,
1: I, that's what I said. Like I'll neither be the one's been bad on yeah. yeah, And Bo Horvat's ha- like Bo Horvat's numbers are not quite as high, but the power play's gotten much better since he's arrived. So like that's part of what he was supposed to do help the power play be better. But the one I'm gonna say is. Who got traded for more pieces than any other player of this dreadline? Tenor you Mm. Five picks and a player, he's got zero goals and three assists in like a dozen games. So, and now he's not supposed to just score, but you're not giving up a first round pick, five picks and a player for a guy just to run into people. While he does that very well, he's still trying to find maybe a little bit like Brandon Hagel. Remember how much he struggled when he got to Tampa? He couldn't find his offensive game either, and then now he's having a great year. So maybe it comes for, as hopefully in the playoffs for Tampa, but He's also been less impactful than the price to get him might have indicated.
2: Yeah, great points, MJ. I no. would argue that Arizona hasn't gotten a whole lot from Shea Weber and Jacob Voracek. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're playing in behind Jatsu and Pronger. What are they going to do? Uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, I,
2: I just bring that up because the deadline <laughs> deals.
0: Those alumni skates the, are going to uh, be something oh,
1: tough. Alumni team to crack. I'm, I'm, I'm bumped. <laughs> I'm not even on it anymore.
0: You're not even there, Johnny. No,
1: no. no. Marion and Jose bumped me. I, uh, <laughs> in jest, of course, and
2: we, and we wish Warczuk, uh the best. Yes, of course, because right?
3: just not jokes. not
2: good. But um, no, I just mentioned that because. You know, those it's interesting that Gary Bevin at the gym meetings last week seemed to not have an issue with that those type that type of currency in the NHL that carries collecting mm-hmm. all those contracts. I, I I mean, the thing about it is that you're probably not gonna hear that that many complaints from other teams about it because at the end of the day it gets them out of a gym. So so I guess it's here to stay and it's within the system, it's within the cap, everything's accounted for. But I just thought I'd mention that as the Let's not forget Mm -hmm. those those deals happen.
0: Yeah, Good stuff, guys. Uh, Listen, before we, Johnny, get you out of here, because we know you got a game day. And by the way, Kent Hughes' uh, interview coming up with Pierre and I in the next segment. We are going to do, very quickly, a red card, yellow card, no card. Quizmaster loves this segment. And any week where we don't have a red card, yellow card, no card, I hear about it. So we've got one this week. What we don't have is the ultimate arbiter, though. Terry Ryan, uh, I'm sure on location at some crazy movie shoot somewhere, wasn't available. So, Johnny, we're making you the ultimate arbiter today. Pierre and I will weigh in, and then you can come over the top with a little bit of time to think about it. We're going to go with Kuznetsov and his 9.6-second shootout goal. If you haven't seen this, it looks bizarre. 9.6 seconds from the time he touches the puck, at the, face, at the the center ice dot. To he does go it all the time and, now.
2: That's his thing. He takes a long uh, ramp up. Yeah,
0: He takes such a long ramp up. I think uh, 21 or 23 stick handles it ended up being, and he scores a goal. Pierre, what do you think? Uh, l- overdoing it a little? So
2: I'm going to go just yellow card, even though I don't love it, because I don't want to be a hypocrite. In general, I don't want the shootout anymore in the NHL anyway. So if I'm going to nitpick one part of the shootout when... I'm on record saying I'm, I'm not a big fan of the shootout anyway, then I'd be a hypocrite. But, yeah, yellow card took forever. Kind of silly. But, you know, it's obviously working for him. He's doing it all the time now.
0: Yeah, we're seeing it a lot out of him. Uh, I'm going to go no card on this. It's it's within the rules. So, I, it, you know, and if it works for him, clearly it trips the goalies out a little bit. So Lukin is the one that he beats. And he's having success with it. So it's within the rules. Some people don't like it. People who hate the shootouts absolutely hate it. But I'm going to go uh, no card on this one. Time now for our ultimate arbiter, Mike Johnson. What
1: say you this week, friend? Well, as the ultimate arbiter, I want to talk like Terry Ryan where he comes Yeah, me. As right? the ultimate arbiter. <laughs> you got to go Final answer, answer at of, the end. Of all shootouts is to score goals. That's what we're about. And I've always been a rule-abiding kind of player. So anything that is within the <laughs> rules then I have no problem with. If it was an easy thing to do, more players would do it. We want goals in the game. We want offense in the game. We want these shootouts that Pierre doesn't want to be decided as quickly as possible, which means it's going to take goals. So anybody who wants to do anything within the rules and the context of the game in a shootout, I have no problem with this. Everyone should do it. I might try it next week in my men's league skate, see what happens. It is absolutely no card whatsoever. Keep on doing it. If you don't like it, change the rules. Guys will react. But until then, no card. Keep doing your thing, Koozie. Woo. Final
0: answer, right? Wow. Final answer. You gotta Final, answer. Final answer. That was Final a answer, decent. No card. That is a decent I missed, to the the though. Though. Doing that. I missed the close. <laughs> yeah, you did. You got to stick the landing. The a lot of it was oh, good. The, man. the other thing you were missing was a random quote from some poet or something yeah. you've never heard from. I TR. did not
1: have enough time to prepare for that. <laughs> you know, what it was. All uh, right, Johnny. Favorite author of mine that I don't have. Exactly. As Pierre yeah. LeBron once wrote, the goal of exactly. the game is to score more goals than the other team. Oh, boy. You wouldn't find any great lines there. All right. Well,
0: in fairness to you, I didn't tell you you were going to be the ultimate arbiter today, so you had very little time to prepare. And but I, in fairness uh, I you to you,
1: I approach every show like I already am the ultimate arbiter.
0: I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. Where's that famous quote from Mike Johnson? Hello. I don't ever ask a question I don't already know the answer to. Wow. That is going to be in our best ever reel. Mike Johnson. So.
2: I hope so. (laughs) Love it. Uh,
0: All right, Johnny, you got morning skate to get to. Thank you kindly, my friend. Uh, Plenty more to come after the break. Uh, Montreal Canadiens General Manager Kent Hughes in conversation with LeBron and I. You're listening to Got Your Back, NHL edition. Stick around. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross-country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry, but what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices, I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the getter done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need, when they need it, and they don't make excuses. Cross-country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. All right, time now for Who's Got Your Back? Brought to you by Liberty Smart Security. Liberty Smart Security is a company that specializes in having your back. High-quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or for your business, your office – They use leading edge technology to protect the things that you value most in your life. And your home is your castle. So why not protect it with Liberty Smart Security? You can go to libertysecurity.ca to see all the products and the services that they have available. I've been using a Liberty Smart Security system in my house for years now. And I absolutely love it. The peace of mind that when you walk out that door, you set that alarm, you know it's monitored. And uh, you're doing everything you can to protect the things that matter most in your life. Uh, Happy to have Liberty Smart Security on as a sponsor here on Got Your Back. Pierre, Kent Hughes, our guest this week. Uh, If I were to ask you to summarize um, the job that he's done so far as the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens in reshaping this organization, trying to do it in a reasonably timely fashion, what stands out to you about the way he's gone about his business?
2: Yeah, I think what stands out is that he has modernized him and Jeff Gordon, his boss. They've really modernized uh, you know, the inner workings of that organization, the philosophy, the hirings, the way they approach the game. They are a modern-thinking organization for sure. Uh, he inherited some very good players from Mark Bergman. Let's let's admit that, with obviously, with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, etc. And they're the first ones to tell you that. But they've come in and sent this thing to another level in terms of how they approach the, their philosophy. That's the first thing I would think of.
0: Yeah. I was looking at his list of clients when he was an agent and, you know, a list of guys that were leadership uh, personified, right. Whether you're looking at Le Cavalier or Bergeron or these players. Yeah. And so he, I think he understands what cornerstones look like. And he's trying to build that here uh, with the Montreal Canadians by putting Marty St. Louis and some people raise their eyebrows a little bit at that decision. But he hasn't been afraid to be fairly bold, too, with some of his decision-making. And I think a lot of those bold decisions have been with that culture in mind.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, listen, the season itself is pretty much where I think they thought they would probably be in the ballpark in terms of the standings, um, that they would be a lottery team again. But what was really paramount for them was the culture and the work ethic and young players developing in that atmosphere. And they've done that. They've been able to foster where some players have taken major steps. And some of their trades have been bold. I mean, trading for Kirby Doc out of Chicago, uh, trading for Mike Matheson out of Pittsburgh, which I don't think was very obvious to a lot of teams last summer. And he's had a terrific year. So there's been a lot of nice touches so far. But I would also caution that the harder decisions are coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: the first phase of the rebuild and is always like, you know, we want these guys out, we want these guys out. Now we're entering that phase where... Tougher decisions are coming as far as, as exactly identifying who else is part of this core and how they fit in their timeline, development, progression. All these things are coming, and that'll be interesting.
0: All right. A couple of points of clarification before we get to the interview. One, uh, it was done early Monday morning. And if you were watching this on Twitter or on YouTube, what you're going to notice is that as I throw to this interview, my beard magically disappears. That's because I had to go to work yesterday and I had to shave after a weekend on the ski hill. So uh, I'll snap my fingers and the beard will disappear. Secondly, we asked uh, Kent for his Got Your Back story. And he told us a real great one that's kind of relevant right now when you you think about what's happened here recently with Jonathan Drouin having to sit a game for being late to a meeting. Kent Hughes gave us a story about a time where he kind of screwed up in his career and he mentioned his college coach, but he forgot to mention his name, so we grabbed it. Bill Beanie is the name of the coach he's referring to in his Got Your Back story. We thank him for coming on. Presented by Liberty Smart Security, Habs General Manager Kent Hughes. He is the 18th general manager in Montreal Canadiens history. Uh, Kent Hughes joining us. And somewhere uh, my journalism instructor is rolling his eyes because in school he told me, never have your interview subject be better dressed and more prepared than you are. <laughs> and Kent, uh, he'd be angry at both Pierre and I right now. But uh, team team photos or something coming up, right?
3: Correct. Yeah. Very short. say,
0: a little early in the day to be fully suited up. But uh, as we're taping here on this Monday morning. But thank, thanks for taking some time to join us. Um, okay. So. The trade deadline has come and gone, and I often wonder what a general manager's to do list looks like after the trade deadline. I know there's a lot on it, both short term and long term. How do you tackle your to do list right now? How much time you spend on the road scouting? How much is it about, uh, you know, putting the systems in place internally that I, I know you continue to work on? How are you spending your time?
3: You know, it's interesting you said that because <clears throat> during the trade deadline, the club was uh, on the west coast and we stayed back, uh, so this was this past week with the GM meetings and I was lucky enough, we were in Florida. So I was able to rejoin the team, which was, which was great on the road for uh, whatever happened to be four or five days. And uh, spent a little bit of time preparing that to-do list here as we return home. And, and uh, for the most part, we don't have any road trips left now. So we're, you know, trying to look into the future, especially given where we are uh, as an organization and, and know that the playoffs are not on the uh, forefront. So it's everything from internal issues to scouting and and what changes need to be made going forward.
0: What's your preference? How many times you'd like to get eyes on whoever you might be selecting uh, with your first couple of picks, but in particular that first round pick? Do you want to see them a lot or will you lean on your people a bit more?
3: Well, we've got to lean on our people. I mean, that's what they're paid to do. Um... I'd like to see them as much as possible. Ask questions, uh, challenge them to think through things. If there's anything that I notice or anybody else notices, but ultimately, uh, you've got to leave that in the hands of your of your scouts.
2: Right. It was at the GM meetings last week, Ken, that they announced that May eighth is the the night of the lottery. I, I take it you put that into your calendar. Um.
3: <laughs> it, it's in, yes,
2: yes, it's in. Um, you know. You know, listen. I mean, we, we worked, Ryan and I had a network at TSN. We we had fun with the uh, tanking for Connor Bernard thing. We, we we put a video together. I say we, James. Duffy. Who was the musical
3: genius to that one?
2: That was James Duffy, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I was just the guy in the back holding a guitar. But having said all that, certainly when I look at your team season, especially before all the injuries hit you guys, I mean, the the desire to be competitive and and foster a culture was certainly apparent with your team under Marty St. Louis. No one's kidding anyone. I mean, I, I think back to the November Jemmies in Toronto, Kent, where you came out of the meeting, the team had come off to a surprising start in your ass. If you might be a buyer at the trade deadline, and <laughs> I, I think we knew what the answer to that would eventually be. But are you satisfied with the sort of the path of this season? Obviously, it's tougher these days, but are you satisfied with how things have played out here?
3: Yeah, I, I th- it's a hard question to... Uh, sound overly positive with when you're fifth from the bottom of the standings. But, you know, in addition to the fact that the objectives for the year at the start were really focused on seeing growth uh, individually, collectively, uh, then we take into account the, uh, the inordinate amount of injuries that we've had to face and, and the fact that there have been such a evolving lineup, uh, you know, lines and lineup. Uh, all in all, yeah, I have to say that, uh, you know, we look at it as, uh, a, you know, a successful year. Our, our players, despite all the injuries, especially our young ones, have played in competitive games for the most part. Like we, we had a stretch before, right before and after the Christmas holidays where it didn't look very competitive. You know, we really struggled, and it didn't look like a great environment for young players to develop. And we were going to monitor that closely, but you know, we were able to right the ship pretty quickly and create that environment where they go out and compete every night.
0: How's Marty doing with the whole? Uh, I mean, I think the last four games, it's twenty-six goals against. Though you've scored eighteen, so you're you know you're putting a fair few in. But he's a competitive guy, and it's interesting. I you know, you listen to him interviewed, and he's clearly. All in on this thing, but there's going to be a little bit of pain along the way. Uh, how's he doing with uh, you know developing these guys through the tough times and and sort of balancing that competitiveness that we all saw him play with with understanding the big picture? What are you seeing from your head coach through these times?
3: I, I think he's been he's been great with it. I think you know on when you're behind the bench and the puck drops, Marty's all in. He wants to win. He he still understands that within that competitive drive within. He, he has a job to do in terms of developing the players and the group, and it's not win at all costs. Uh, but he also has the capacity once the game's over to be able to reflect, think through the issues, talk through the issues, be it with us in management or the other coaches, and and uh, come up with the appropriate plan for the next day, the next game, the next week. Yeah, and, and I,
2: I gather you had uh, obviously some communication with him over the weekend. Uh, Jonathan and uh, uh, benched, uh, well, was going to be a healthy scratch, I guess, but ends up being in uniform and benched after missing the team meeting over the weekend. What is that? You know, what was that like in terms of, again, the bigger picture culture setting, and a veteran player being involved there?
3: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, just like in the middle of a game versus after a game, I think Marty was pretty upset that that he was late and uh, they were on the rushing out to go to practice and. Joe came up and the two of us met and, and you when know, we talked through it and Marty called back after practice and said, listen, this is what I've decided to do. And and Joe was great, about it. I have to give him, you know, full marks. Uh, he understood that this wasn't just an issue about Joe Drouin. It was an issue about, as you said, our culture and expectation, not just for the, all the players in the locker room and at this point in the year, but also for the players in Laval and the young prospects to understand that you know, there's certain standards that we expect here. Yeah.
0: When I think about some of the players you've represented over the years as an agent, just some real core people in terms of core to the leadership group and the culture within their organizations. So as you try and build your own culture within the Montreal Canadiens, um, you know, what signs do you see that those building blocks are being put in place? And what do you think are the most important? I mean, we, we hear that word all the time, culture, but What does it mean to you? What absolutely has to be there?
3: Well, I I think work ethic is certainly one of them. I don't think uh, you can have success as an athlete or as a professional hockey club without it. Uh, To accountability. Uh, I think that's a a crucial element. And again, I I find hockey is an interesting sport. It's not alone in, in the sense that I think in all team sports, professional team sports, they these individuals have careers right and you know i'm sensitive to that having come from from the other side of things but they've got to find that balance in terms of their own personal professional interests and in how they inter, that intertwines within the group and that's not an easy thing when you have good culture the guy who's playing third line accepts that there's a guy playing above him still comes every day he's a good teammate on the bench he works every day in practice. They don't mope around. They pick they pick other people up when they need to be picked up. They push them when they need to be pu- pushed. And and I think when you have a really good culture, every the the, the the dressing room polices itself to to a large degree. And I think that's been really important for us. When you there's so many lessons for young players to learn. Uh, it's been particularly challenging here, where we have so many young players. It's not. You know, you got one or two guys in the whole dressing room, you know, takes them under their wings and shows them the ropes, so to speak. They've got a lot of guys to take care of here. And and we felt that the balance was really important here to, uh, as we transition to have a group of leaders that have been around the block in the NHL that can help show these young guys and teach them. And at the same time, be really competitive. It's not an ideal situation when you're, uh, you know, as I came into last year where, you've got a bunch of veteran players and you've got a team that they know is struggling, won't make the playoffs. How do you show up every day? That to me, that's culture.
2: You know, the, the rest of the season, it's not about the standings, obviously with your team, Kent, but, uh, but there are things that you're looking at. I, I would assume one of them is Dennis Guyanov, who you kind of acquired as a, as a guy you wanted to look at, uh, at the deadline from Dallas, you got a decision to make with his qualifying offer. He's got five goals in 11 games. Um, I'll just, this is my opinion. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there are times where I, I don't really notice him. And then obviously he's got the release and he's got a good shot. I mean, what have you seen so far in his game since coming over?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got certain qualities to his game that most people would acknowledge, right? He's got great speed, size, and he can really shoot a puck. Uh, and those aren't new, those are qualities he had before he came here. And, and, notwithstanding those qualities there's other elements of his game that he needs to improve on otherwise he wouldn't have been in the situation that he was in in dallas so you know i think as marty said he wanted to take time to understand who he was as a player and as a person it's really difficult to take a guy into a team give him two games and decide you figured out you know what his strengths and weaknesses are and we're going to fix you right away so there's an assimilation process to me too in terms of the environment the dressing room uh, get to know how a player accepts constructive criticism and, and is best able to incorporate it. So, you know, we, we see there's elements of his game that he needs to to improve just to let his, his skill set shine more consistently. And then there's a consistency element in general. So um, we're working with him on it and we're, we're looking forward to what the next 10 games look like.
0: On the Cole Caulfield front, uh, Habs fans are always going to want to stay up to date on that. Uh, anything to update or what's your, what's your sense on, uh, the potential for, uh, a long term deal to get done there and, uh, time in the near term?
3: Uh, well, I, I, I have, uh, the, the one area I haven't talked to the media much about is contracts and it's not because I don't want to talk about them. It's just, Contracts have a way of, uh, there there's rarely a straight line to a, to a deal. And I, I feel like when you create an expectation and there's a detour and everybody starts to question that there may be something wrong. And sometimes people are just busy or there's other things that are uh, affecting timelines. So I, I would say conversation has been very positive. Uh, Cole wants to be a Montreal Canadian. We'd like to have him and we're working through it.
2: I, I mean, that's got to be fascinating for you. You're probably over it now, but after all the big contracts that you've negotiated for your clients over the years, to be on the other side, where now you're you're talking to Pat Brisson and, and you know what he's up to with, with, with Cole's deal, <laughs> but you've got your GM hat on. I mean, have you kind of gotten over that uh, I'm on the other side now? I mean, what's that like?
3: Yeah, I, I think to me, it, it in a, to a large degree, it's helpful because I, I feel like because I can appreciate the situation that they're in, um, sometimes the agent can't necessarily articulate what those issues are. They're kind of the unspoken issues. So uh, in in one or two where we sense that, I've been able to say, is this an issue? Do you need me to speak to person A or person B to help move this along? Uh, And in a couple of cases, we've had agents that have taken us up on it. Hmm. Interesting.
2: Uh, I was just gonna add quickly, Ryan, uh, one trade from last summer, too, that I think has uh, has, has been a, a really positive storyline for your team is Mike Matheson. Uh, I know he's a guy that you knew well, but, um, you know, he he I think he took some pretty good steps in finding his game again in Pittsburgh after the way things ended in Florida. But what have you seen this year, you know, on your team, especially given that he, had, he got hurt a couple of times early before finally find, finding his groove?
3: Well, again, my, Mike is, I mean, the talent, everybody could always see the talent. And I think sometimes <clears throat> players don't forget how to play hockey. Somebody who at one point showed he was a good hockey player has it within him. Uh, how deep inside him it, you have to go to find it. it, you know, changes from player to player. And obviously there, there's life issues and everything else that can complicate things. Um in Mike's case, I think what we're really seeing is him playing to his strengths uh, more than he's ever played to them before. And as he's seen success from doing that, we've just seen his confidence grow, mm. right? He, he looks like an extremely uh, confident hockey player every time he touches the puck uh, or how he defends so quickly with his skating and his quickness. Um, so we've seen we've seen growth in his game. And I, I think part of it is... is A lot of the hockey players have, you know, my experience on the agent side was so many of them struggled to figure out what they were going to be at the NHL level, because as they come through the ranks, they're just the best at everything. And I think what Mike's Mm -hmm. really done this year is, is play to his strengths.
0: Last one for you before we get a, a got your backstory from you, um, timelines you know clearly you guys are putting some core pieces in place and you're building through youth when you're having your discussions what do you think is a reasonable timeline for you to get back firmly into that playoff discussion and you know to be a regular on the playoff scene what's a fair timeline for the organization do you think
3: that's you know it's it's hard to pinpoint uh, in a Mm -hmm. lot in certain ways because it's not just what we do but what others do there's obviously a group of teams in our division and in our conference that are going through the same process as us, be it a Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. And then you've got a group of teams uh, that have been there, the Tampas of the world, the Bruins of the world, that uh, that all the uh, teams that are coming up are going to have to push out. Uh, so I kind of look at it more, less from a, when will we be there, but, you know, more what we need to do before we feel like we have that kind of team. And listen, we, we've got, uh, You know, I think it's going to be another two, two or three years uh, for us to, but, you know, again, we're hopeful where we have opportunities to, uh, to trade for good young players like a Kirby doc, instead of using a draft pick for it, we'll we'll try to do that. And that's kind of a way to expedite the timeline, but we won't go sign a 28 or 29 year old uh, to a long-term deal at this point in time to be that much better next season.
2: And just a quick one before we get to our, our, our question. Sorry, Ryan. Just on Sean Farrell, I know Habs fans are pretty excited to to see him in a Habs uniform at some point. Is that going to be before the end of the season? Kent, you're going to break some news here,
3: or uh, well, uh, you know, he, they've got I to uh, still
2: busy. I know he's still yeah, busy. he's
3: still busy. So out of, out of respect to uh, Sean and to Harvard University, you know, I think his focus should be on you know trying to win a national championship, but. Uh, once, once this season's over, we will certainly give him a phone call and, and, uh, explore, you know, we'd like to have him, but we've, you know, he's, he's got another year of schooling left. If he chooses to do that, that's up to him. And we'll, we'll have those conversations with him and his agent.
0: All right. Great stuff. Uh, so the name of the podcast, Kent, as you know, is got your back. We love, uh, getting people's stories of that time in their life or their career where somebody came through for them, someone had their back. So as I present that idea to Kent Hughes. Who had your back, sir?
3: Hmm. <laughs> my, uh, my college coach. <clears throat> it was my uh, sophomore year, start of the season. We, we hadn't uh, started our season yet, but he was running a hockey camp and uh, I in Burlington, Vermont. about an hour drive early Sunday morning. <clears throat> I, m- I must have missed my ride home the night before and showed up with a uh, cowboy hat and sunglasses on and he looked at me at nine o'clock <laughs> in the morning he's like what are you doing and uh, I may have forgot my skates and, my stick <laughs> and everything <laughs> I was going to Burlington Vermont for so he's looked at me he said get out of here get your act together and I spent the uh, the next 24 hours worried about what was coming and uh, it was never mentioned again
0: wow wow So I imagine that's a a mistake that wasn't – you learned that one the tough way and and wasn't repeated through the rest of your your days, your career?
3: Yeah. No, he uh, – I think that was part of him understanding where we were at as a group and we were were, uh, very serious. It it was preseason. We weren't practicing. I was supposed to go work a a hockey school with him, but at at the same time, it was – the uh, no message was a very clear message. Yeah. So, message I, received. I, I, I wish there
2: was a photographic evidence of this cowboy hat
0: a <laughs> No, it sounds uh, great.
3: I'm sure there was, but there were there were no there were no cell phones back then. <laughs>
0: uh, to everybody's benefit, back then, uh, Ken. Thank you so much for taking some time. Uh, good luck on the the scouting missions and uh, you know building this thing as you continue towards uh, brighter days uh, in Montreal. We appreciate your time. Thank you.
3: Thank you, guys. Have a good one.
0: All right, that's going to wrap up the podcast this week. Big thanks to Kent Hughes for taking some time to join us. Uh, thanks to Johnny and Pierre. Great job as always, gentlemen. And a big thanks to our sponsors as well. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Kuma Outdoor Gear, and Liberty Smart Security as well. Have a great finish to your week. And we'll be back with another edition of Got You Back, LeBron and Rashog next week. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed. Hey, if you have a time, head over to iTunes. Leave us a review. We want to know what you think about the podcast. Good, bad, whatever you have to say. Pierre and I always open to whatever feedback you have. Have a great rest of your day, folks. Talk soon. Cheers.